It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as Black Panther 2018, the Creed franchise, and the problems with modern CGI. I found that HDR helps with those movies that look super unrealistic. Uh, like, it doesn't it doesn't fix everything, but at least it, it blends things a little bit better. Like when people are like green screen and stuff, like like um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I can tell those are digital backgrounds, but they seem to blend better. And I had watched a little bit of Black Panther at home and because that one annoyed me at the movies because of the special effects and it, i thought it was better at home um but mm-hmm. i haven't watched the plus one yet the part that remains the most jarring in that movie is just i don't know i don't know what the hell they were doing with their mat work yeah which part uh, i was in particular the fight between killmonger and um t'challa when they're fighting for uh who's going to be the king yes during that scene when they're like showing all the people in the background and like over the waterfall bit i was like man this matting is just so bad it was just... i hated it at the movies like it took me out of the movie at the movies because i was like what the fuck is this place like supposed to be like i can understand if it was like a dream sequence but uh um and speaking of michael b jordan um i think i told just to caleb like a million years ago or maybe i don't know if talking to somebody else but i, I love the rocky creed and creed movies and I was taken out at the movie theater in Creed 2 because during the the big the big the big fight when he goes against Drago Jr. Um, at the movies, I could totally tell it was a virtual arena or stadium, whatever you want to call it, where they were having the fight. And I could really tell in the in the theater, and it just took me out of the movie because I was like, oh, why is it like a digital background slash audience, etc. Um, I recently got them all on 4K, like uh, the, I mean, for home, like in the last two months, and I watched I watched the whole series from start to finish, Rocky all the way to Creed two, and you know Creed one was fine, and I got to Creed two, and, and I dreaded it, and but but then I was like, oh, you know, it looks better, it looks better, like it's more believable than the way I remembered it at the theater. So then I started looking at the special features. And not only did I discover that not only were, it wasn't just the big fight, it was like all the fights had digital backgrounds in the whole movie. But not only that, but even in Creed 1, which I never even realized. And so I went back and watched it. And now that I knew like what to look like, and I was looking for it, I could tell. But they completely mm-hmm. duped me, the first one. 
Um, I thought it was a real place, um, but it wasn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I gotta say for Coogler, because I know that he wrote and directed that Black Panther. Yeah, of course. Man, that movie on this is my third time watching it, and man, I've got a lot of lot of issues with that thing. That thing is much, much. Oh, you mean the, just the movie itself? Just the movie itself. Like I, I know that me and Isaac, when we both watched, we were both kind of like, hmm, like something about this just, it just didn't hit quite right. And I think Isaac, for the long, longest time, was, you know, kind of uh, railing on it harder than me is like a pretty, like not a very good movie. And coming back to it again, I, I gotta say, I agree. It really did not hold up. I haven't watched it in full like since opening night. I always just felt it was a very mediocre, like run-of-the-mill MCU movie. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't nothing, you know, outstanding. Cool soundtrack. Um, yeah, cool soundtrack. But uh, I just thought it was run-of-the-mill, and the reason I haven't gone back to it is mainly because of the effects that we were talking about. But um, I'm, I'm, I put it on right now on Disney Plus. I want to watch that fight scene. I do. Have, I have to say, I do like these IMAX enhanced things. Um, I don't know why they don't release more movies with the option to like choose if you want to watch mm. um, IMAX or not. But uh, hmm. Okay. Now, Caleb, do you want me to explain myself or or not? Does it does it matter? Sure, sure. If you want to, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll try to be as civil uh, and polite and respectable as, as I can. A professional. You must. I, I just feel I'm, I'm disappointed. That's what I am. I'm, I'm very disappointed yeah. by the film itself. Um, it's, it's not that I hate it. It's that there's so much going for it. Mm-hmm. The, the ending where Killmonger... I, I get, it's been a while since I remember it. Maybe Caleb, you remember But it's, it's like his, his death monologue. Uh, about like, I'd rather I'd rather die here than go back to America. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically liking it to when the Africans were taken, you know, as slaves uh, back in the day. And I thought that was such a beautiful line, and it just didn't fit this movie. I was like, the movie itself, I still view as like the reverse of Macbeth. Um, if well, if if Killmonger is Macbeth, um, and and T'Challa is Macduff, it's like how can this not like work? And I'm kind of sad because I really wanted to see Killmonger win. I wanted him. I wanted him to mm. actually like mm. succeed and have T'Challa be kind of taken aback and and have have him question his his whole like his father's identity uh, himself. I I just kinda, and and what Wakanda means to him. So like it's such an awesome premise that unfortunately I don't think it was like fully realized and I, I don't think it was executed properly personally now I don't know if that's yeah. on Coogler at all I, I don't believe that personally but somebody at Marvel was like keep holding them back I think and Coogler has stated I, I don't have the article in front of me you can you can fact check me on this anybody can really uh, sounds like I'm being lazy and not looking it up, but I know he, somewhere there is a four-hour cut of Black Panther. I think that's a little too short, personally. But like, <laughs> if there is a too short for the story they want to tell, I think it's a little too short. But that's that's just me. Um, for but but if they were, 
uh, if there is the supposed four-hour cut of the movie, like I want to see that because I think they had so much going for it. They had so many characters in there that actually had like some, uh, so at least had some strong characters uh, characterization. Excuse me, and I feel like they were also like good ch- pet chess pieces inside the board uh, of the f- story that actually had something to do. And it all just felt like it was cut short. Like, as soon as Killmonger takes over, like, it's not instant, but, like, at least within, like, ten minutes, we're, we're in the third act. And I'm like, no. No, this is not the third act where they, like, have this big epic battle. And I'm like, no, you're not doing this. And, yeah, it just... He, he succeeds at becoming, you know, King of Wakanda. Um, fair and square, in a way. And I'm like, let's, let's see him, like, go loose. Let's see him go ham. And instead, T'Challa comes back and creates the uprising. And it's like, no, you did the rebellion too early. You're supposed to like let him become the emperor first, and then you can like uh, be the the underdog and, and take it back. This is this is so wrong. I'm like, oh, it's like. Oh, I was, I was thinking of Dark Knight Rises. Uh, there you go. Thank you. That's great. Go on. Yeah, we had this great opportunity to kind of because T'Challa. I mean, my biggest complaint with him is he feels extremely underdeveloped as a character in the MCU in general. And so I was like, this would have been a good time to really kind of win win him over, or win us over as the audience. Give us a, a real character, see him rebuild himself. Because, I mean, by the end, he, his ideals are kind of like, oh, maybe Killmonger had the right ideas, I'll side with him a little. Maybe if he had to live kind of a lower life, like kind of hiding in the shadows, he could have learned more of Killmonger's experience. Something like that. But... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just felt like the whole thing was underdeveloped. Almost all the characters, I felt like that. Exactly. He is Killmonger to T'Challa is like the perfect sh- is the shadow. He is he's absolutely like what um, T'Challa could have been if uh, things were different and if he were not. Because literally, he is also a prince uh, from that world. But it's just yeah. That's that's my biggest disappointment is that they had such a good. Pr- it's so good. It could almost like surpass winter soldier as like the best mcu film like i'm giving it utter praise and they just didn't hit the it was like icarus like it was the tale of icarus that's all i can say and i'm so sad like i don't want i i don't hate it it just disappoints me to see it and i'm just like it's that's that's why and yeah that soundtrack by kendrick kendrick lamar excuse me with all his tracks in there just i listened to it a few weeks like a month or two ago man that soundtrack holds up like i was telling kayla before you're absolutely right Eric. so please i i'll give you the floor now. <laughs> well i wasn't talking about the i wasn't talking about the kendrick lamar one because i haven't listened to that i'm talking about oh, that's fair. The, uh, the score one the score was pretty good ludwig uh Gornson. yep who's the new guy the new guy <laughs> i mean new guy for a lot of things yes uh beyond this now but your response, Eric, come on. I want to I hear what you have to say. I, I, I well, to say. I don't want to be disappointing on this because, wow, sounds like both of you took this movie like way more seriously than me. We really did. Oh, and it was partially. As much as, as, much as I like MCU movies across the board generally, um, there's few of them off the top of my head where I really start to take them serious. Because like the way you were just talking, both of you, um, you know, that's how I usually do the movies that we discuss here or on the other podcasts, like movie podcasts I do, where I really do go dive deep or whatever, deep dive. Um, but with MCU movies, like, there's not too many. There's a few. 
But most of them, I'm just showing up to get entertained. Um, and I don't usually hold them to that highest standard. Um, with Black Panther, uh, I wasn't even intending to see it opening night. But then I felt peer pressured by social media and stuff that like I had to see it opening night. And so I got tickets last minute. Um, and I was more taken by the spectacle of what I was experiencing in real life uh, in the theater mm. um, more than the movie itself. Um, and okay, before I say anything more about that part, just the movie itself. See, I didn't really analyze it that deeply because um, something I know me and Kayla have talked about a lot is it was one of those movies that when they had their um, action sequences, I mostly became like mentally detached. Yeah. And so like my brain would just like go into hibernation mode until the fight scene was over and then I had to like re-engage. <laughs> um, and so it was one of those kinds of movies. And then... You know, who know, I never even would have thought of Macbeth because um, I was more thinking about like the obvious, um, like more like Hamlet slash Lion King. Um, you know, it's kind of like an obvious parallel. And so then once my brain's already thinking that, I'm not even thinking deeply anymore about like significant parts of the movie itself. And the thing about the experience, I'll never forget, uh, because, um, you know, I live in San, I live in San Antonio. I saw it in San Antonio. I happened to go to the movies, like the only ticket I could find at any theater. And there's a lot of theaters here. All I found was, it just happened to be IMAX, but it was at the downtown location, which is like a tourist area. So I don't usually go there because it's like a tourist downtown area. But it was literally like the only ticket I could find left opening night. So, and I was glad it was IMAX. And I went there and I don't know exactly, but the theater was full and the attendance was like, I don't know, 50%, 60% black African-American. Mm-hmm. And I'd never ever seen any kind of racial ratio like that in san antonio like not like unheard of and and the other thing i noticed besides like the high black ratio but it wasn't just like oh they were college age or this like there was like older couples who were like in their 50s like it was a wide range Mm -hmm. and i was just completely blown away and after the movie was over outside the theater there was just like all these like black people and groups of people and they were all just like celebrating or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what is this? Like, this is, this is like, you know, yeah. I'm used to something like that when like a force awakens came down and everyone was like cosplaying star Wars. I get it. But this was, it was just wild. So I was more taken by like the cultural phenomenon and everything. Um, and like, let's be honest. Like, it got nominated for Best Picture, and I was like, "Really, really? This has to be political in the sense that, yeah. I mean, you could have nominated another MCU movie another year. Like, why this one right now? Um, blah was, blah blah. Yeah, it's that cultural significance uh, nod. Yeah, yeah. Which I get, but it's like, oh, I guess. 
I think that's partially why I hold it to a higher standard, and also just Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Someone who's a little bit more of a prestige director than most MCU stuff, and putting out more interesting, more uh, morally questionable work. Like, I think that was the first time... Morally questionable? Yeah, that's one of the first times where we didn't get a black hat, white hat kind of superhero dynamic. Like, Killmonger... Oh, okay, that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Killmonger is a much more morally complex villain. But I think that's partially what makes the movie so weird for me. Like, Wakanda, really, all that time, watching the slave trade, all this stuff, they had, like, plants scattered around the world, keeping an eye on how different governments were working out. They could see all that all that oppression, and they just turned a blind eye. I mean, that makes them really hard to sympathize with. And I get to Chala's kind of, his question in the movie, it's like, oh, should we be so isolationist? It's kind of like, ah, oh, T'Challa, I mean, come on, man. Like, come on. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's, it be, creates a weird dynamic. And then, yeah, Killmonger, in some ways, seems like he's more got the right idea and you kind of want him to succeed. But then out of nowhere near the end, he's talking about, you know, we're going to be the oppressors. We're going to even out the population so that, you know, the black folks are on top. And it's like, okay, now this is getting weird in this regard, too. Like, it's, it's questionable morally in a way that makes the movie like they should have put more care in in making those messages work because by the time it gets to the end it just feels like ah you gave me too much to chew on but then you just undermined it and it just left a sour taste in my mouth and yeah isaac you brought up that great final scene when he's like oh i don't want to go back in chains uh just leave me to die in the ocean like my my ancestors who jumped from the slave ships i thought that was a beautiful image uh, but it's kind of like, ah, at the end of this movie, this really dissatisfying, kind of unmotivated in some ways movie, it just just didn't hit. So, too bad. Jeez, now I'm, I'm curious about uh, Wakanda Forever. I, I've been meaning to see it, but I've been trying to go with my cousin and he's been unavailable. Otherwise, I would have seen it already because I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm curious too. Yeah, I'm going to see it next Saturday. And speaking of Kugler, like... Of course, I'm looking forward to the the third Creed next year. But um, what's interesting about this one, besides the fact that it's being directed by Michael B. Jordan himself in his directorial debut, besides that, this will be the first Creed movie or movie of this overarching um, franchise that has no ties to Sylvester Stallone at all. Wow. Uh, so, so Sloan just went because I, I saw that on Wikipedia weeks ago, but I didn't know what that meant. And then I guess uh, so Sloan just spoke about it in a recent interview because he was asked, and he basically says that because um, it's been the same producers like the entire time since Rocky, it's been the same executive producers uh, all the way through the Creed films, and he said that basically they started doing all the negotiations and and hashing out Creed 3 um, without any of his knowledge and they basically cut him out of the whole franchise so that he has no financial stake and no input and or nothing that it was just oh wow just taken completely out of his hands and you know and the only thing he had to say was uh, you know like good luck to Michael B. Jordan but uh, he thinks they're going they're taking the storyline down a dark road which he said he, he wouldn't do but um, but whatever. Oh, interesting. Hmm. But I'm just curious because I'm just such a fan of that franchise. I freaking love the the Creed movies, and 
all of it, and so I'm hoping I continue to love the third one. Hmm. Well, but Isaac, anything more to say with Black Panther before we, I guess, move on to Titanic? Uh, good, good question. I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's plenty more to talk about. Uh, probably yeah. saving it for another day, of course. But like, yeah, full episode. Yeah, and yeah, I was gonna say you made me feel like I need to watch it like more seriously now. Maybe I will if I do have time in, in coming days um, to rewatch the first one. And I just rewatched that scene, and yeah, I don't know what it is. Despite the HDR and everything, yeah, the the digital mat still looks as fake as ever, especially during that scene. And yeah, I don't get it because. A lot of new movies do that these days, and, and and big budget films too, spectacle films. And I just don't get it. I don't get. It's crazy. I like. I don't know. Like, I get everything's about money and yada yada yada, but is it that hard to get to work something like that out now? Like, to find a way to make it look more realistic, like. You know, I was thinking maybe if the lighting wasn't so bright um, or something. Well, my part of my complaint is we have this huge, in, in my opinion, somewhat pointless extended action scene with like these big epic battles at the end that has a lot of CGI there. I'm assuming they put more time into that stuff, but it's like, who cares about all that stuff? Cut some of that, put more time and attention on this very important scene between our two lead characters instead of all this extraneous bullshit action stuff where the two leads aren't even a part of it. So I, I think it was just priorities that were in the wrong place. Yeah, and at least do certain things for certain scenes. Like, again, I get it. It's all about money and, you know, this and that. And then, and I don't want to bring up this the, the series that one of us is not planning to watch anytime soon, but <laughs> and it's, I think it's, it's just talking about the visual aspect doesn't it make Andor seem weirdly refreshing and like different? Just talking about the visual of like on scene location, like when you're used to all the other Star Wars live action shows, and then you can just immediately tell that's a real hill. Holy shit, it's a real hill. And you're like excited because all it is is like a real hill. <laughs> oh, that's the whole thing of Andor. It's incredible. It really is. And I'll say I've been watching House of the Dragon, I'm finally catching up on that. I, it, I mean, the show can't help it. it. It requires a ton of CGI. Right. But jumping back and forth between Andor and that show, it's, yeah, it's, again, like night and day, just the reality of Andor compared to all the, the CGI extravagance well, of House of Dragon. Even though, yeah, they have to do... I Yeah, but I would say generally Game of Thrones or House of Dragon does better than most shows. Yeah. Because they still do a fair amount of location shooting, even if they do a lot with that stuff digital like to alter it yeah at least they still go on location um because yeah like one of my least favorite digital mat scenes in in the mcu is uh the one that always sticks out is ugh, is uh in ragnarok where they um where loki and thor meet up with odin on that like cliffside oh wow yes oh my god it is so terrible looking I feel like if I tilt my head, I can see the green screen behind them. And again, I know you're not going to do it for the whole movie, but why not for like the big duel in Black Panther or just that one, just that one scene in Ragnarok? Could you not go out to like a real location and then, mm. you know, digitally futz with it, you know, 
like as needed like for black panther but at least god just that and how much more expensive is that to do i don't know but it's worth it isn't it uh, oh, I, and I, I gotta say this uh, this is isaac i'm sure you're probably never gonna watch she hulk <laughs> oh god oh god do you think you'd ever watch it <laughs> before i spoil some of the uh what i was just uh, about to say uh, uh go ahead there's almost no way to spoil that show because I mean, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing you can't spoil, like, well, a, a broken egg. <laughs> well, in that show, they decide to get really meta and start talking about the format of the MCU and the big CGI ending stuff. And them mentioning that, I was just, I was like, man, why are they, why are they intentionally calling out one of their biggest weaknesses? Because watching Black Panther, I watched it the same day I finished that series, and I was like, man, this is. The tropes of the MCU just, in some ways, killed the ending of this movie. Where it's almost 20 minutes of just nonsense action. This whole big battle, it's like, this battle is completely pointless. Why are we seeing it? And I just, I feel like they wasted all that money when they could have touched up those more important elements. And it's just the Kevin Feige effect. I guess the Kevin Feige robot that they uh, mentioned in that series. Is it really him? Or, like, I mean, I mean, the real person? Uh... I, well, it's, it's got to be because it's been a consistent, it's been a very consistent format that they've held to essentially since the beginning. Or does he just think in his mind that it's it's just fine, it's just fine, like those climatic CGI battle scenes? That's a th- I, I don't know. I mean, again, they make fun of it in that, that show that he's just some sort of AI just pumping out, recycling the same ideas over and over again. I mean maybe i don't know i it's it was so baffling watching that scene i was like i, I can't believe they did this, this that shows a travesty yeah for so it, many reasons yeah uh like whenever i see the the showrunner uh, i forget her name but the asian woman who's like the showrunner um she just seems like the most horrible person she, she just seems like what? everything i'm <laughs> against Every, she's everything i'm against for like a, a woke showrunner She's like the she's like my worst worst nightmare incarnate. Uh, I saw that she like worked on Rick and Morty and, and a bunch of other like sitcom comedies. So I was like, okay, that kind of explains the tone of this show. But it just you can't put this in the middle of the MCU. It doesn't. If it was its own show, like maybe that would work better. But you just can't insert something like that. It just it damages the credibility of the franchise. I think. But the way she is in like behind the scenes. Um interviews and things like that she just she's even more grating like she she comes across to me as like a narcissist and like as someone who thinks she's so clever um like at doing her job and it just got it god if anything rubs me the wrong way it's her and stuff like that well i'll just say i did i did see one or two interviews with her and i was getting the ryan johnson uh, effect a little bit oh yeah there's a, yeah there's a bit of that there's a bit of that it's not exactly the same but i could definitely yeah. connect the dots and so i was like oh, okay well it's they, they're they're living in their own world they're making exactly it's the same kind of uh mentality come in and kind of have a i'm not going to work in the bounds of what this franchise is i'm going to do my own thing and i I, it's, I find it hard to blame those people i blame the the people in charge i don't blame her for for damaging the credibility of the MCU. I blame Kevin Feige and his lot for allowing that to go go ahead that way. I mean, that whole Disney Plus joke, I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, wow, this is just horrible. <laughs> but she's so proud about how she predicted the backlash to the show. 
Um, but I don't, I don't know how you score points like that. Like, cause I don't know. Like, I don't. They. It's not just her, but do they not get? There's a reason why people get upset about those things. But just the point. It'd be like if Ryan Johnson was like, I knew everyone was gonna hate these three particular things I did in Last Jedi. I knew it. Well, they're so dumb because I knew it. But that doesn't make it better, or that doesn't. You know what I mean? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't excuse the problem if you saw that it was going to be a problem. You know what I mean? Well, that, that's why I say they're from the a similar school of thought because he he did think that way. He was always like, like you watch him behind the scenes. He's like, I know there's some people who aren't going to like this, but it is what it is. And he, he thinks that's part of the part of a way to make good art is art that divides people's opinions. It just so happens that it's dividing the people who paid for the movie and are big fans of it. So <laughs> the, the weird oddities of people who aren't big Star Wars fans who love it. I think those are the people he was looking to please. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I just... Oh. oh, okay. I guess we get to talk about Titanic. Yeah, any any comments, Isaac, before we move on? I'm just filling up my mind. I guess, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, one last thing, I guess, on not to go back on Black Panther, but just... Um, uh, where was I going with this? I said... I, I, I don't know if that was... Okay, yeah. So here, here's here's why I was really excited, Eric. And here's another reason why I was like excited and disappointed. It's because even you can, like, Civil War is literally what it is. It's divided. <laughs> I think some fans like it, some fans don't. That's the point. Um, that's again for a whole a whole other argument for another day. But one of the things that I personally took from that film was I really enjoyed Chichala's presence. I really enjoy. It. I think he left a mark on that film. Regardless of where he stood, I think Chadwick Boseman did an amazing job with that character for how little he did. Maybe it's that uh, the fact that he's not used as much. For, he's like you know a, a minor character in that, and he again put on such a strong performance that made us all like get won over by him. And we're like, this man has confidence, and I can't wait to see that confidence um, on the big screen when in his own movie. Like they, they, they did the right thing. They they built him up, um, and maybe that's for the good. Maybe that's for the bad. But like, man, did they build him up? And he was like, just his movie. I felt was gonna like you know do wonders because they had an amazing cast on 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 the uh, on the casting choice. So I'm like, let's go. And yeah, it was just it turned out the way it did, and it. It, it was a letdown for me and a, a disappointment and just like I can't look at this again because it's just it's again wasted potential as I said um, and and even with what you said you guys were saying about like you know the artistry and the artists again just I don't know if Caleb mentioned to you about like you know that article that came out with all these artists complaining about like the overtime and crunch time on their on their parts so it's why the movie looks bad I'm kind of glad I'm actually glad that um people are complaining about it i know that sounds bad but like because this i mean it doesn't i guess it doesn't change the fact that people are still going to see these movies and they're getting you know loads and loads of money so that means that more workers are gonna you know take crunch time it's a it's a weird so i don't know how like the the because i'm always with them i always want to try to be with the workers and these people are like the, the frontline workers i'd say in this case figuratively speaking of course but like they're the ones that are doing a lot of the work. I'm not saying the actors aren't, but like, come on, everybody that makes these 
wonderful effects for us are like working mad hours and you're not paying them properly. I think I have a problem with that. Uh, especially like in the end fight scene between them uh, when they're inside that big cavern with the train. Oh, I forgot about that part. I hated that part. I, I'm not going to say it's not like yeah. a video game. I'm just going to say it looks unfinished. <laughs> like it's a... Uh, like a, uh, yeah, like, a, not a rough, yeah, another, like, rough draft of, of CGI, and they need to, like, do some more. Well, if I give it a backhanded compliment, it looks like a Pixar movie trying to look like real life. <laughs> you mean, like, The Incredibles? <laughs> sort of, except that one's, uh, those are still cartoony people. This is trying to make, like, real, quote-unquote, people, uh, yeah. dream it. Yeah, I can see that, that's fair. Uh, so... And, I, I, and then I was going on just about like you know I don't know whether it's like morally correct that the people like like audiences hate the CGI and are complaining about it because they're still going to see these movies anyways like they I guess they can put wow. up with that yeah most of my friends or cont- quote unquote contemporary people I don't ever hear them or rarely complain about this kind of stuff that like me and Kayla were talking about yeah that's fair and then like. It, it certainly is not a breaking point, so it's just like I, I want the visual effects artists to have, you know, better rights and you know get better pay. Because uh, I know it sounds like you know all the art, but all the actors like they're they're working there too, right? What? Unfortunately, these these studios are relying only almost all, yeah, solely on visual effects for pit's sakes. There's like no story. It's all like, hey, look at our special effects. It's like how do oh. you pay your workers who are doing all that? Guys, come on. People getting diddled by the van again. Like, okay, sorry, Caleb. What do you want to say? Well, I don't know if it's fair to say that uh, that there's no story. It's all the effects. But <laughs> I know I'm so, okay. Fair enough. I'm being hyperbolic, as you can tell. <laughs> pa- pardon me for saying that. It's just like again, yeah. People are being screwed over as usual by the man, and so it's just like, especially when it comes to like you know movies, which are supposed to be creative products, but really these are soulless products. That I, you know, I'm being hyperbolic about and passionate about. It's like, good grief. That's where I'm putting my dollar, though. That's I, I'm at least happy that I'm not like, you know, giving these guys the money. There's not going to their paycheck. It's weird though, because I don't know when the next revolution will happen visually, because, you know, things like Eternals and Shang-Chi, as far as the visuals go, it's just it's completely more the same. Um, when it comes to like digital fights and the backgrounds and all that business and you know back in the day whatever special effect it was rear projection or rotoscoping you would kind of see like the craft improve over time but it it seems like this is like a weird stasis of flatline like the stuff in the newest mcu movies doesn't look any better as far as being convincing compared to stuff four five seven nine you know, like, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know, like, when there's going to be a noticeable improvement. Um, the only thing I see improvement on is, like, when you compare Spider-Man swinging through the city um, for Amazing or After. Okay, that looks a lot better than the Raimi era, if you just talk about the swinging through the city. But, but I mean, when it comes to just typical fights and whatnot... Um, it just looks all the same for like the last ten years. Well, that's 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 fair. Yeah. For what we heard of it. Yes. Because you cut out uh, you cut out partway through. Oh. In the last yeah. Year. So during your, yeah, tr- during your uh, during your speech, uh, yeah, you, your mic was not hot. 
Oh, I heard some Hopefully. groaning, and I thought it was because you were groaning at what I was saying. No, 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 don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I was not. I was groaning that like you. You, you weren't there. Hopefully, hopefully it'll have been picked up on the recording. I don't think it was. And we just hear it later. <laughs> I, I don't think it was. You're, it's just going to be me and him complaining that we well, can't hear him. It's like, I want to hear Eric talk about this, and, and we can't. Well, I, well, yeah, if, as long as you just got, well, just for the conversation, if you just got the gist, I haven't noticed any improvement um, basically over the last 10 years with like these um, CGI heavy fight scenes and whatever, whatever. Like yeah. Eternals and Chang-Chi looks just like no different. Yeah. And I was saying like back in the day, whether it was rotoscoping or or mats or I mean traditional mats or uh, whatever the effect, like you saw a progression over time of the craft getting better and improving, and it seems like it's just been in stasis. Um, and then you see shit that makes you really angry, like when you see certain things that they pulled off, like in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, not all of it holds up by today's standards, but some of it really does, and then it makes you angry because you're just like, "Why does that look so good?" And that was damn twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, Caleb. It really does make me wonder, like, whether visual effects would make, and it, in the right hands of, I guess, the right director or visual effects artist or somebody, would honestly make like the Green Lantern power ring look like really good, oh, like, especially with constructs. Because <laughs> I mean, I know we saw that in, well, what little we saw in, you know, the mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, how well mm-hmm. that was. But it's just like, you think that it would be like, you know, really good, but like, I'm starting to doubt that's doubt, doubt that in my mind. Like, I'm a little worried. Well, maybe we'll find out one of these days. Yeah, whenever <laughs> they release another Green Lantern film or put a Green Lantern on screen, doesn't mean it has to be his film, but. But, I mean, I don't, well, technology, I don't see any solution coming anytime soon. The only solution that exists right now is those directors and filmmakers who who still try as much as possible to have as much um, uh, physical, like practical um, as possible before they start adding all the CG. And it's, it's a short list of people who do stuff like that. Like it's weird still to think that um, there was never like a clone trooper who was shown in that physical costume ever until some of those flashback sequences in uh, Mandalorian, um, and then we got we got to see some like full squads of actual guys in costumes in Andor, it, like specifically in the clone trooper armor. Like, it's so weird that that never existed until, like, the year 2021 or something, or 2022, 2021. Um, that's weird. Okay, here's here's my question. Here's my question. I'm going to throw this out. Do you think, wh- whether it be Marvel or, it, like, all of Disney's products, whether it's Paramount, Warner Brothers, any of the big six or whatever companies we have now, for, for American Hollywood films, like like major blockbuster or whatever films that utilize uh, are heavy on the use of CGI for visual effects and fight scenes and action set pieces. Do you think it's almost like an escalation in a way, like a, like we almost have like a cold war going on of like escalating, like again like uh, um, there's a competition going on that we don't know about of like who can. But escalating in one sense. It, who can who can make the better action scene almost? I think there's more of a 
I would alter the analogy and say it's more like a cold war in the sense of um, mutually assured destruction, which means we're all just going to agree <laughs> to be at this stagnant level. Um, like, I almost feel like there's a, there's a quiet, tacit agreement that we're all just going to, like, no one's raising the bar. And so we can all, you know, oh, kind of like, um, like, you've seen, like, in movies or experience in real life when some guy's like, hey, man, like, slow down your reports. Like, what do you mean? Man, you're going to make the rest of us look bad. Like, if you turn in, like, you know, 60 and the rest of us are doing, like, 30 every day, it almost seems like they've... I know they haven't really, I don't think, but it's like they've almost all agreed, hey, let's, let's just pretend like everything's fine and no one's going to notice that all our shit sucks. Because there's only people like Nolan who, like, refuse to to compromise in those kinds of ways and, and a short list of other people who refuse. Yeah, but, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise. Surprisingly. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, because... It just seems like we're all just gonna like go as long as we can go without having to upgrade. That's what I feel like I've seen by the majority of things for the past ten years. There's just the random Tom Cruise thing or Nolan thing, and well, even Villeneuve, even though he does have CG, like in Dune and Blade Runner, he's he still has like a much higher standard it seems um, than the other makers out there. Yeah, for me, I tend to think it's the the RTD effect. Oh shit! They think that they need to go out on a big bang every single time, and so every one of these movies, they like save like a third of their budget or whatever for the giant ending that nobody cares about because the giant endings are always the part where audiences kind of tune out. Like, okay, now it's just big CGI fest, and I, I feel like they they're just wasting their money. They could do they could make the movies look so much better if they didn't spend all that time on just nonsense visuals. Like even uh, Black Adam. Me and Isaac in our review talked oh, about like, fuck. oh, at the end, suddenly the villain turns into this CGI character and we have these CGI, uh, the dead rising. They could have maximized so much more of their visual budget if they didn't waste so much time on all that stuff. Like, who cares? Oh, agreed. Yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> I agreed on that. But I think they just, just a wrong mindset across the superhero genre. Oh, and you talked about the undead. That's what, that reminded me of another movie that I, when I go back and watch, and I go, "Damn, this shit still looks good." Um, uh, not uh, what is it? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, like the first one. Mm. That one still blows me away, especially because it was the right. first, and it was so long ago. And if you can get a copy of it uh, on HD, or there, there are 4Ks out there that exist of that movie, like mm -hmm. it holds up. Like it looks really good. And I don't know what the fuck. Oh, I hate when. I... Yeah, and I would say used relatively sparingly. Like the ship shots were all real ships out there fighting. Even the ending wasn't a big CGI clusterfuck. Like they did it did it right there. See, so that's the part that makes me angry is when you see the regression uh, of these types of things. Like, oh my gosh. Well, you want to talk about regression? Then go to like, um, I forgot what the fifth one was called, but I did see it in theaters. Oh, you're talking about pirates? Yeah, pirates. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Like yes. that one, Dead Men Tell yes. the Tale, that's right. Um, mm. Yeah, I saw that in, in theaters, and I was like, man, I can Me too. sense the CGI in all this. <laughs> like, I can see everything in CGI. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. And also, speaking of regression, that's kind of how I felt 
during uh what was it called the last night uh transformers um (laughs) say what you will about the first three transformers and we already have um but whether you think the fourth and fifth are better or not that's not really what i'm talking about we'll review those eventually (laughs) but you can totally tell that they switched to digital film digital everything like in the last two compared to the the previous ones and you just miss all that and you can even tell at home because i have I have the 4K set, and you can tell that the fourth and fifth Transformer movies have this weird sterile quality to them, the digital quality that, that, like, the first three, especially the first two, the colors are, like, really rich. Well, they're almost too saturated, as as discussed, but still, you can still tell they're on film, and there's this weird flat appearance with the newer ones, and, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a um, weird thing. Well, as much as I'm very much enjoying this this conversation, we should probably move on to Titanic. We really do, yeah. Since I'm sure it's been very long. Let's because I'm actually looking forward to talking about this. Oh boy, let's. Go. Oh, I know you are. Yes, I saw your Facebook post. What do you mean you know I am? What do you know? Yeah, I'll just say this for you, Isaac. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Eric. He every now and again shares his like last four that he last four movies he watched <laughs> with like a letterbox review. And I think you said uh, I needed a palate cleanser after watching one of the greatest movies of all time. And I was assuming that you were just talking about uh, Titanic. So. Yeah, yeah, like some spoilers. You would have been even, you would have been even more informed if you saw the message that I messaged just to Sean, um, <laughs> uh, because uh, a, a day or two before I saw the movie again. Um, Oh, because me and Sean were recording uh, Friday, last Friday, the most recent Friday, and and after we were done, I was telling him, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do Titanic," and I kind of told him the same thing I told you, like, "Hey, I, you know, I'm all for talking about that movie, but I don't want to fucking watch it right now." Like, damn it! And then after I watched it, I had to send him something else, which I'm not gonna tell you what I said, but I was well. like. Fuck! I was like saying fuck for a different reason after I finished watching the movie. Sorry, Isaac. Uh, Eric's gone. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, I, I looked at that now, so he'll he'll be back in like a second. Yeah, in case you wanted to mention to him, yeah, that's. I felt like that guy in True Lies with the the battery in the camera. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, 
not to go on a weird tangent for a hot second, but you reminded me of something I've always thought about the Harry Potter series, which is if you read the books, um, virtually like 95% of the entire narrative of the seven books is always Harry POV. Uh, like, like if you like read Game of Thrones and you know how the structure of the book is and you have different POV characters, Harry Potter, the entire series, almost entirely is always Harry's POV to the point of what I'm saying is it's literally Harry has to see or hear whatever it is for it to be in the book. I know there's a couple exceptions on certain scenes, but that's only like 5% of the whole series. And the movies follow that, which is everything that happens, Harry is there to see or hear it. And I've always wondered what it would be like to know what else the hell is going on in the world because, you know, it's a bit constraining that Harry has to literally be there for everything. Like, I always wondered, like, what if we could see more, like, from other perspectives, like, what else is going on simultaneously. But that's just a weird thought I've always had. Um, Yeah, thank you for that. That was was, was interesting, I think. (laughs) It's just a weird thing. That's fine. he, he, He reminded me of it. Like, it's, like, people don't realize that, that those stories are all, like, Harry's there for, like, every scene. With a few few exceptions, yeah, well, I I think it works perfect. Yeah, a few exceptions. I think some of the aspect, like when you is revealed that he has like a mind link or, sorry, a soul bound link with Voldemort. I think that at least is that 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 works a little bit in its favor as well. It, it at least explains some stuff. So yeah, I, I know what you mean. 